The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Get ready to explore the connection between communications and human motivation. Our guests will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Our host, Gordon Rudo, CEO of Bonfire Communications, has bridged the communications gap from startups and nonprofits to the Fortune 500, from political leaders to celebrity CEOs. Get ready to be fired up with your master communicator, Gordon Rudo. Okay, well, welcome to Fired Up. This is our fourth episode, and I am Gordon Rudo, your host. Happy to have you back. For those of you who have not joined us before, I'm going to give you a little bit of background, give you a sense of where we've been so far, where we're going with the show, what our focus is, and then I'm going to introduce our speaker. So our speaker is a pretty interesting guy. I'm very excited to have Mr. Jeffrey Saltzman on today, um, but we're going to hear more from him in just a couple minutes. For those of you who have not had any experience with Fired Up so far, a little sense of where we focus. Um, Because we can't be everything to everybody, so we had to come to a conclusion kind of early on of where we're going to hone in and provide value to you folks. So before I even get into the focus, let's talk about value. What is this concept of value? If I want to provide value to you folks as listeners, I have to understand this concept of value. And as you as business leaders or as professional communicators want to provide value to your audiences or your employees, you have to understand what is this concept of of value in its most general form. So we do this exercise at workshops and at speaking engagements, and we talk about this concept of value. And when we ask different participants what is value, you know, we hear a lot of very common things. Value is about return on investment. Whatever I spend, I get more bang for the buck. That comes up quite a bit. Uh, A good use of my time, I hear um, often. Value is in the eye of the beholder is one of my favorites. But this concept of value, just so we have a common frame as we go through the show, in our definition, we talk about value as the ability to meet concerns. The ability to meet concerns. So you folks, as listeners, have a set of concerns. Now, if I try to have this show be valuable to 20 different audiences, I'll probably dilute my ability to meet very specific concerns. And in our world, the idea of concerns is a very central principle. So as business leaders, as internal communicators, external communicators, as marketers, and as HR professionals, and specifically in the communication space, in the internal communications, focusing inside of organizations. That's where I've spent my last 15 years and where we think we can provide you the most value. And listening to this show takes your time. And you could be doing a lot of things with your time here. You could be reading books, attending conferences, speaking with your peers, or or having a mentor. But we want this show to be the best use of your 40 minutes 
of anything that you can be doing. So we're going to be tackling an issue that is a very significant issue to you. And whether you're in any of those spaces that we just mentioned or have any of those roles, you're wrestling with some pretty common issues. And I know this because I've spent my career here. Um, And most of your issues stem from some external factor to begin with. You are dealing with changes in the economy, globalization, new government regulations or compliance issues, more competitive issues, performance issues inside of your organization. Or if you are an internal communicator, it could be a, a shift of leadership or change in culture. These mean very different things for people. So when we're handed a new strategy or a new culture or a new mission, vision, or values, a new business process, um, we have to get sometimes 10, sometimes 10,000, sometimes 100,000 people to join us in that. We can't make these changes or take on these new missions, these new strategies by ourselves. This is more and more these days a highly collaborative effort. So how do we make this happen together? And then also, how do we keep these organizations, these affiliations that we have in whatever community that we live in, how do we keep them healthy and happy? How do we keep them productive and engaged? And today, Jeff is going to talk to us about how do we keep them in an atmosphere of confidence and how confidence can be a critical factor, um, a, a very key metric in understanding how to engage people and connect people and, and get work done, get work done effectively. So where we've been so far, we, we've been tackling this issue from a variety of different perspectives. We've heard from Beverly Kay, uh, author of many, many books, um, a woman who I adore who's the head of uh, Career Systems International, and she talked to us about a very specific conversation that we should be having with our employees. We want to keep them engaged. We want to keep them productive. We need to ask questions and have dialogue with them about what's most important to them. So she talks about what she describes as her five P's. And these five P's help people go through the important discussions about their perceptions, um, about who are they as a person, about their perspective, how they're seen in their organizations, about the place, what the organization is like for them, their possibilities, where they can go in their career, and fifth, their plan, how to create goals and execute on those goals. So when she talks to us about how to engage and inspire people, it's really about having that central dialogue about what's most important to people and how they help them grow and develop. And then in our second episode, we had Dr. Donna Markova. So both PhDs, very, very bright individuals looking at this from a different perspective. Donna comes at this from a neurobiological perspective. That's, that's her academic training, and then she spent many years as a leadership coach in helping CEOs and top executives build performance in their organizations. And, and what she shared with us in week two is about the flexibility of our minds, about how we can continue to grow and create new neural networks, that there's not a, an end to our learning possibilities, that we can completely reorient and have different worldviews later on in life, challenging some traditional views about how the brain operates. So she talked about staying curious asking ourselves when things come up for us rather than to run to judgment and close our mind to keep those patterns to open up, we have to ask, isn't that interesting? And just let these ideas come in and noodle around in our brain before we judge them. So stay curious, ask open questions, 
understand your intentions. She spent a lot of time talking about the concept of integrity, that we can't get people to do what we want them to do. We need to actually come from the right place because they will, through their mirror neurons, as she described, feel what's true for us. So we can't bullshit people into doing what we want them to do. We actually have to be in integrity and have their best interests in mind or they will know. And then Terry McKinsey came in. Terry is a professional communicator, one of the legends in our field, and she talked about a very similar notion about authenticity. And as the head of communications for Sun Microsystems, she talked about authenticity as a professional communicator being authentic to what the company is about and the leadership is really about. So you have to expose leadership. You need to get people to feel connection to what the company is truly about, often expressed in its leadership. So she talked about having fun, having a good time, and, and if you listen to that episode, you'll hear some cool things that Sun did to connect people to their new CEO, Jonathan Schwartz. So we heard some really interesting points of view in the previous episodes. And again, today we have a very different perspective. And our job is really in this show to give you many, many different perspectives. By the end of our 26-episode season, we're going to have at least uh, 20 different perspectives. And our job is to dissect those, help you um, integrate those, make sense of them, make use of them. So we're going to hear from Jeff Salzman today, Marshall Goldsmith, uh, coming up soon, Ben Putterman from uh, Banana Republic, and then some of the coolest guys I know, really creative viral marketing and creative specialists, uh, a group called Language in Common. But let's start off um, after this long-winded backdrop, hearing from Jeff Salzman. And, Jeff, we only have time for one question before our break. But your concept, your central concept, and we're going to talk about this throughout this episode, is this notion of confidence. Um, so before we dive into the particulars, in broad terms, before we go to break, why confidence? Why do we care about confidence, and why is this a, a critical metric for how we look at organizations? Well, thanks for having me on the show, Gordon. But in terms of that question, um, what is employee confidence or what is confidence more broadly? You know, many, many organizations have been measuring all different aspects of organizational culture and how people feel about the work and so forth. And what I find is that many of the traditional approaches simply don't go far enough. So we may, for instance, be very concerned about are our employees satisfied or are they proud to work for us or are they loyal and so forth. But if you think of an analogy, an analogy might be I could be a very proud, a very loyal, a very satisfied buggy whip maker as Henry Ford is in the next building figuring out how to mass produce cars. And the fact that I'm loyal and proud and satisfied is sort of pointless if the industry that I'm practicing in or the company that I happen to be working for is headed for the graveyard. So I could be the best buggy whip maker in the world, um, but I'm missing the boat. There's something else that's coming along, and that something else may be the mass production technology that allowed the automobile to uh, you know, flourish. And so I've, I've, over the years, I've been studying organizational culture now for about 25 years, and over the years, the traditional approaches to me have just never seemed to have gone far enough. And what I'm doing with this approach of confidence is trying to push the envelope and saying, if we take what we know has been successful before, let's not lose sight of that, but let's build on it and let's give additional insights both to the individual 
and to the organizations that we're interacting with that will allow them to become more effective, better places to work. And in essence, then, the employees in those places will have better lives because of that. Interesting and controversial. People have spent years talking about loyalty, talking about engagement and satisfaction, talking about pride. Um, So when we come back from break, we're going to dive into this. And for those folks who are not real familiar with HR analytics or the kind of metrics that executives have been looking at, um, you'll you'll see quickly that this is a very provocative new idea. And I'm going to give you a, a little bit more background on Jeff Saltzman when we come back from break. Just two minutes and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Hey, Jan, why are all the coders leaving so early? Doesn't your department have a deadline of, like, midnight or something? Me and my staff are here all night. I saved money on my staffing budget by outsourcing a lot of work to Offshoring.com. I told them I needed a coder, and they sent me profiles fast. My staff just filled in the little details, and now we're having margarita night. Offshoring.com. Fast, inexpensive, excellent, and on time. Offshoring.com. Here's your bill. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, it's all right. I'll take care of the tab, Jason. Well, thanks, Dave. How are you doing so well these days? It seems everyone's in a pinch for cash. RevenueWire.com, that's how. RevenueWire? Yeah, RevenueWire.com is an all-in-one platform offering affiliates high-demand software from top-notch PC utility merchants. With 75% commissions, twice-monthly payouts, incredibly accurate analytics tools, RevenueWire is making me more money today than I did in the last few years put together. Even in this economy? Especially in this economy. RevenueWire has a ton of great products to meet the demand. I'm telling you, this network is recession-proof. RevenueWire, the recession-proof network platform. For more information, visit RevenueWire.com today. That's RevenueWire.com. Does your website need a bailout? Looking for a conversion rate stimulus package? Do you need a website improvement to-do list? On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7, analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. I'm Brian Eisenberg, and I approve this message. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. SEM Synergy. Live broadcast Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel. On webmasterradio.fm. You're getting fired up only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. Back with Jeff Saltzman talking about employee confidence, organizational confidence, and he's going to also tackle this at a country level, at an international and global level. So diving into this a little further, I, I do want to give you a little more understanding about who Jeffrey Saltzman is. He is a principal at Conexa, an associated fellow at the Center for Leadership Studies. Um, but most importantly, in terms of backdrop, he spent 25 years looking at this issue inside of industrial and organizational psychology. He's a pioneer of some critical concepts in that space, uh, vari- variance optimization, uh, which is applying Six Sigma principles in organizational culture, and this new employee confidence is his baby. This is his new thing. It's very exciting. It's, I think, a breakthrough in the field, um, so you're going to hear more about that. And author of several books, uh, Moose in the Distance in 2007, well, I don't think that's going to grow, grow back in 2008. Great titles for books and 
my genes are irregulars. And I guess last year as well, with five global truths? Yes, right? correct. And you're blogging continuously on organizational performance and, and research and management type of topics. And i got to imagine that this confidence is a pretty central part of what you're doing these days. Yeah, it is. Um, confidence, I've, I've presented it... Oh, I've, you know, in terms of how long I've been working on it, I'd say I've been working on it for about four or five years, been noodling around some of the ideas. And, and, but it's only in the last uh, year that we've gone out on a massive way and really have collected a lot of data to prove out the concepts. And what we've been doing for the last year is every quarter we're reaching out to 16,000, a random sample of 16,000 employees that come from a cross-section of 12 of the world's largest economies. And when you aggregate these uh, 12 large economies together, what you have is about 73% of the total world's gross domestic product. And so what we're, we're doing is using that sort of aggregation of these economies as a, as a proxy, if you will, for what's happening globally uh, in terms of the world's economy, what's happening at the country level, uh, looking at each of these 12 major economies individually. But even within the country level, we're looking at industry performance, we're looking at organizational performance, and we're looking at individual behavior and how either confidence being high or low affects these things. And so far, over the last 12 months um, that we've been doing this, the results have been fairly staggering, uh, and it's been uh, a lot of, uh, one, it's been very rewarding to me personally to, to see that some of the concepts I've been thinking about uh, for such a long period of time, in fact, hold water. Uh, but it's also, I think, um, uh, very positive to me because it seems like there's a lot that uh, can be benefited from this, either at uh, an individual level, a company level, country level, uh, or even uh, sort of at a more macro level in terms of where, it, in a global fashion, where are we headed from an economic perspective. So the what, concept, if you can give a snapshot here, how, how are we looking at global confidence levels today where they were a year ago versus what we're seeing right now? Exactly. And the concept is pretty simple. I think that's one of the things that I like about it is that Confidence in general tends to be driven by two main components. One component is the organization. Uh, For instance, if I'm looking at employee confidence, as the organization that I'm employed at, is this an organization that I view as being effective, having good business processes, having sound leadership? Does it have its finances in place in in a positive way? And that's what I'm calling organization internal, the internal processes about the organization. There's a second component to the organization, which is the external, which is, is this an organization that is competitively well-positioned? Does it make good products and services? Is it making products and services relative to today's economic uh, situation? You know, if I'm the a maker of luxury hand goods and my business is dried up, you know, the employee is going to have uh, less confidence that this organization will be successful in a down economic uh, cycle. So there's the organizational level, and then there's the personal level. And the personal level also has an internal and an external component. And personal confidence internally has to do with what does my future hold at the organization I'm currently at? Do I have job security? Am I being developed for the future? And then personal external deals with, well, what does my future hold for the organization that I may need to go to 
if I leave the one I'm currently at. So in other words, do I have the skills, the ability to find another job? Should I lose this one? So if I leave this place, can I land on my feet elsewhere? And what we're doing with this concept is really, again, every quarter reaching out to the 16,000 people around the world and measuring uh, them on this, on this particular characteristics. And here's where it really gets interesting, is that when we look at confidence at a country level, we find that employees are much more confident in countries that have higher levels of uh, change in gross domestic product. So if gross domestic product is on the rise, what you have is more confident employees within that country. That may be no surprise to you. But then we take it to the industry level, and we find that those industries that are outperforming other industries, and, and as a proxy for performance at an industry level, we're using bankruptcy rates. And when we look at bankruptcies, we, we find that uh, last year, for instance, the agricultural and healthcare industries had the fewer, a fewer increase in bankruptcies over a comparable period the year before, and they also had the most confident employees. And the mining industry last year had the largest increase in bankruptcies, and they had the least confident employees. So what we're seeing at a country level is applicable at an industry level, and it's also applicable at an organizational level. Again, the same questions, but taken at these various different levels are producing tremendous insights. At a company level, what we're finding, if you look at the most confident versus the least confident employees, the most confident in terms of total shareholder return at the company level, the most confident employees, their companies were returning about 3% uh, over the last five years. Whereas the least confident employees, uh, those organizations were returning about negative 16% over the last five years. Now, 3% doesn't sound like a whole lot of money these days, but if you think of, you know, most people over the last year have lost about 40% or worse in their 401ks, if they had only invested in, in just the companies that were the most confident employees, they would have made on average 3%. And I think most people would have taken that in this kind of climate that I we're in. I think 3% these days would be a blessing for anybody. Exactly. Um, and as we look at this uh, with limited time, I want to dive into a couple different aspects of it. Uh, you talk about Barack Obama and the leader of our country and how he's potentially moving the needle on confidence. What can we learn from that? Can you tell us a little bit about how you studied Barack and what he's doing to increase confidence here? Sure. What we did is we took some of his campaign speeches, and we also took his, uh, his first State of the Union address, and we took it sentence by sentence, and we said, what is he talking about that would be comparable to what we would recommend an organization do in terms of increasing uh, confidence of the employees. So in other words, could you treat the United States as a country as simply a, la a large organization? And it seems the answer is yes. Uh, so if you think of organizational internal, which deals at a company level with business processes, what Barack Obama is talking about, both in his campaign and his, in his uh, State of the Union, was, you know, we're going to change the way business gets done in Washington. And he, you know, he's attempted to do that in a number of ways, some more successful than others, but he's certainly trying to change the way, the sort of the you know, modus operandi of how things traditionally have been done. And that means that what he's trying to do is improve business processes. One of the things about, by the way, uh, crises, of course, is that they represent a window of opportunity for change to occur that previously may have been unthinkable. 
So there's a the concept of uh, if you have a burning platform, you have a window of opportunity to sort of unfreeze the way things are, make a change before they refreeze again. That's the notion, I, I believe, of what he's trying to do when he says we're going to change the way business gets done in, in Washington. Then when you think of organization external, what he's doing there is he's saying we're going to invest in our infrastructure and we're going to invest in things that will make us more competitive. So he's, he's trying to improve on the competitive standing of the country. When you think of personal internal, these are things that uh, he addresses when he talks about, we feel your pain, your immediate pain, and we want to try and address it. So we're going to have some middle-class tax cuts. We're going to have moratorium on foreclosures. Uh, what other things that he's doing to immediately relieve some of the pain uh, that people are feeling in this economic cycle, extending unemployment benefits, things like that? things of that sort. And then personal external, which is if you lose your job, we want to create new ones. We want to create opportunities so that if you happen to lose where you're at, your job where you're at, you have a place to go. And when you take these four elements in total, what you really have are the things that an organization could do in, in their own context regarding things that they should be doing to improve employee confidence. So he's using it as a way to improve citizen confidence. And would that affect our ability not only to be confident in our country, but be confident as workers in the organizations inside of this country? Yeah, I think one of the premises of all this work is that things that happen at one level affect multiple levels. So that's why I can reach out to an individual, you know, a randomly selected cross-section of individuals, and I can ask them a set of questions that... Based on how that individual responds, you can predict things like, will that person delay uh, their consumer spending patterns, either currently or over the next six months? Well, it turns out that if they're less confident, the answer, of course, is yes. You know, where does consumer confidence come from? You know, it comes from what's happening to you at work. If you're concerned about losing your job, you're not going to go out and get that new refrigerator or that new car, right? You're going to hold back on those things. So, If you can increase the level of confidence at the individual level, you will have impacts at the individual level, at the organizational level, at the industry level, at the country level. It all happens to do, you know, the saying, all politics is local, well, all confidence is local. You need to drive it down as what can you do to make individual people in the country more confident about the situation they're in. Well, we need to take a short break, but when we come back, Jeff, I'd like to hear if you can, start steering this into some takeaways for our listeners. As business leaders, as professional communicators, what can we do? What are a handful of things that we can think about and using the Barack Obama example as, a, as an executive of a large organization? What can we take away? So we're going to take a short break, and Jeff's going to come back and, and give us some things that we can start doing on Monday morning. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Jeez, another year with no refund from the IRS. I got a nice chunk of change this year. I'm buying a new car and I'm going to Fiji. How in the world did you do that? I got in on TaxBrain.com's affiliate program and it's easy to make big money during tax season just by bringing them other people paying their taxes. TaxBrain.com? How does that work? With TaxBrain.com's affiliate program, I command a huge payday with their nitro payouts because I get paid for leads as well as sales. That sounds easy. How do you do it? 
They give me all the tools it takes, like dedicated publisher support, analytics capabilities, custom tracking and creative services, and so much more that I need to make money the easy way. Wow. With 140 million households paying taxes every year, I bet there's no shortage of business all season long. Now you got the idea. Make money off the tax man. How do I find out more? Visit taxbrain.com forward slash affiliates to find out more. Taxbrain.com, America's online tax service. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Hey, have you got the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. And what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. Jim Hedger and Dave Davies bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Webcology, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. You're getting fired up, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we're back with Jeff Saltzman looking at the issue of confidence. We've heard some interesting and provocative concepts around how to think about this at an international level, national level, looking at Barack Obama as a leader of a large organization in this country and how to think about what we can do as business leaders or as communicators with that example. Um, So I know, Jeff, that you have some takeaways, that there are some things that you can tell us that we can just start doing. So if you can break some of that up for us, where, where, would sh- where should we start? Well, one of the things I'd like to point out is, is a, a potential misconception that people may have about the notion of confidence. And that, you know, confidence is more than simply, I'm going to change the psychology of how people feel. In other words, we're not going out to create smoke and mirrors and just make people feel better. We want to do things that will actually make things better. And because things are actually getting better, that will increase confidence. So we're not simply working on the one half of the equation, which is change the psychology that people bring to the table and make them feel better, and that's going to improve everything. Because I think that's a very short-sighted approach to our, you know, not only the economic problems, but the way businesses run in general. What you actually want to do is improve performance, improve people's ability to function in the organization, and improve the organization's competitiveness for real, right, actually make real changes. And this will increase people's confidence, which becomes then a virtuous cycle, a self-improvement cycle that just goes on and on and on. And so I want to just make sure that got out there. But there are some very basic things, like four that I like to highlight, in terms of, of what organizations should do in terms of affecting confidence within the organization. 
And the first one is basically, you know, here's an opportunity in this economic cycle, uh, maybe a limited window of opportunity to change the way business gets done. Uh, you know, look at those legacy systems and decide, can we throw them out the window finally? Or to improve internal processes and, and make the organization just more effective. And not simply make people believe it's more effective, which would increase confidence somewhat, but actually make it more effective so that people then truly believe that it's more effective. They can see, they can feel, they can taste the difference. And that would well, increase confidence in the organization. And on that particular point, back to what Donna Markova was talking about and the, and the critical nature of integrity in what we say, because they're going to smell that improvements are not actually being made and we're talking about them. So not only exactly. would that it's be short-sighted, wouldn't that potentially be real destructive that weeks and months down the line when they smell that there was no integrity there, that that's actually going to reduce the confidence in our leadership? Absolutely. If it, if it becomes a smoke and mirrors exercise, you might as well turn off the lights and go home now. Okay. You got. You have to do it for real. Otherwise, you're wasting everybody's time. Okay. So one, change the way that business gets done. What's two? Exactly. The second one is to take this as an opportunity to reinvigorate your competitiveness, to look at all your products and services and make sure that they're current for the uh, current economic situation, to make sure that those that haven't been refreshed in a period of time use this as an opportunity to refresh them, and make sure that they're positioned well via visa the competition uh, so that they're actually uh, seen as value-add or priced appropriately, as well as being cutting-edge, the things that people really want to buy in this kind of environment. So reinvigorating the competitiveness of your products and services is bullet number two. Great. Bullet number three, then, is look at the current environment and and try to provide, to the extent you can, immediate reassurance to your current population. Oftentimes I'm asked, you know, should we lay off everybody that we think we need to lay off all at once, or should we lay off over a period of time? But the answer is there's a lot of evidence that suggests layoffs doesn't, by organizations as much of a benefit as they actually think it does. Uh, in other words, people that use other mechanisms prior to layoffs, using layoffs as a last, ultimate last resort, things like uh, reducing uh, schedules, asking people to, pay, to take pay cuts, reducing benefits, doing other things to reduce costs, these organizations oftentimes find themselves to be better positioned on the upcycle because they've retained all this hard talent that they worked at, at trying to get. So to the extent that you can provide immediate reassurance to be people that, in fact, you're doing everything you possibly can to avoid having them lose their job or provide reassurance to them that, that the uh, situation that they're in, um, we're all feeling pain. We may have to do layoffs, but, you know, if we do them, we're going to do them. We're going to get them over with. And unless things deteriorate again dramatically, there will be no more layoffs. So to the extent that you can provide some assurance to them, uh, that is a, a way to in- increase people's confidence. Having layoffs go on, you know, over months and months, you know, drips and drabs is a, is a real issue in terms of destroying both the morale and the confidence of the, of the workforce. And I just want to poke on this one before you get to your last. I sure. can't say how many of our clients in times of layoffs and times of high complexity or an acquisition may be taking place. Uh, when they're not clear, they stop communicating. They create a vacuum in the organization. They feel like they don't have the answers that people want, so they don't say anything at all. Uh, this seems to be, exactly. based on your point about reassurance, 
Exactly. I mean, the evidence is very clear that in times of uncertainty, people's desire for communication grows exponentially. And unfortunately, in many organizations, management's reaction in the time of uncertainty is a clam up. And those things are, you know, direct in opposition of creating a positive environment for for, uh, organization effectiveness. Great. The fourth point, by the way, then, is provide long-term individual confidence. And what, what I mean by that is, you know, cradle to grave unemployment died 30 years ago or so. You know, there's no such thing as that. You know, traditionally, you know, people came out of college, they joined an organization, they, next, they spent the next 30 years of their lives working at that organization, and opportunity lay within. Well, that's gone away. And so what organizations now have to do is say, look, we can't, we can't provide you cradle-to-grave employment anymore, guarantee of that, but what we can do is say that your time here will be well spent. The experiences, the development you have will be such that it will keep your skills sharp and it will keep you marketable so that if you do need to go elsewhere, you'll be able to land on your feet. So in other words, giving people the confidence that their experiences, their development, their skills that they're obtaining by staying with that organization are, in fact, a benefit for them for the long term. And that's the fourth thing that organizations can do to increase employee confidence. And I've heard you speak before, Jeff, and you talk about this concept of having a bright future, and bright future is a particular frame for how organizations need to think about the relationship to employees to make sure that they provide that. And as I look at wrapping some of this up, when I look at your four points, changing the way that business gets done, when you do that, when you tackle processes, you tackle issues, then you need to reinforce as communicators what's being done, how it's making an impact, and give people a sense of those successes as they happen. On reinvigorating competitiveness as you're changing products, as you're thinking about innovations. Again, we as communicators need to provide that feedback, give them a sense of where things are going and what's happening in that world. And these last two, from a communicator perspective, I mean, these are pure communications. I mean, the other ones seem to be when we do these things, we put these things in place, we need to communicate them. I'm providing immediate reassurance and providing individual long term confidence. Um, this is a lot on the shoulders of communicators, is it not? It is. It is. In fact, as I've traveled around and presented these concepts, oftentimes the the person who gets most excited about this is, in fact, the person responsible for communications in the organization. And when you probe a little bit and say, why is this so uh, important to you? So because, you know, traditionally there has never existed a roadmap that says if you do these things, it will have an impact on things like confidence, which is a very commonly used word, especially today. And many CEOs are out there visiting with the troops saying, have confidence in us. We will get through this. We'll be okay. Except they've never really been able to judge, am I saying the right things? Am I hitting the right points? And in a pre- and post-test design, so I've said these things, is it having any impact on the confidence of people, or am I out here just wasting my time? And many of the communicators, people responsible for this, view this framework as a way of saying, you know, now I see a path forward. I can have the CEO has a uh, direction in terms of points to be covered. The CEO also has the ability to evaluate the effectiveness of the things that they're saying using this framework. Well, I, I want to ask this one last question before we close, and we're going to have to close soon. But I've got to tell you, when I was looking at this material last night and prepping for today, sitting on the couch with my my sweetheart and 
my wife is sitting there looking at me studying, and I'm looking at her as I'm reading this material, and I'm, I'm looking at changing the way that business gets done and reinvigorating competitiveness and providing assurance or reassurance and long-term confidence. And it seemed like there was a real story here for me and how I relate with my wife. If I am easier to relate with, if I make the relationship easier, I, I help out more. I'm more part of the relationship in my contributions. If I'm in point number two, making sure that I'm still competitively a great partner for her when she looks at the options out there to make sure that I am supporting her as good as anybody could. And when I think about reassurance and showing her that the long-term viability of our relationship and our marriage is a bright future and I'm putting savings away. Um, is this not a model that can be applied to, to relationships? I, I think it's a, you know, it's a general framework, if you will. So if you, if you take a step back from the word model, right, because model is, is oftentimes very specific. So take a step back and say, as a framework, could this be applied in multiple situations? And of course, the answer is yes. And the benefit of a framework oftentimes is that it can be directional in terms of things that, that you should be thinking about. And so you certainly could use this as a direction in terms of things that I should think about in any kind of relationship. There are things that are personal in the relationship. How do I make that person feel uh, about themselves as a person, right? Am I, am I um, uh, making them feel good about themselves? Am I making them feel like they're a valuable part of the relationship? But then there's also sort of the, the institution of our relationship or the organization of our relationship, if you will, which is as a, as a couple or, or a family, are we able to do things that neither of us could do individually? So is there a benefit for this group in terms of how we approach the world and how we tackle our problems jointly? And so, yes, I think it could be applied in, in actually a large number of situations. And in fact, I'm beginning to, to write a book that would cover that, the notion of confidence in a, a broader perspective as opposed to specifically employee confidence. Fascinating topic. I'm bummed that we're out of time. I, I could talk about this for, for hours more. Um, but I will ask our, our listeners, if you have questions, if you have thoughts, um, we are launching our Twitter site at www.twitter.com forward slash firedupradio. And if you would send your thoughts, your questions, or things that you liked and didn't like, what you want to see more of, we'd love to hear from you. And if you want to connect with Jeff Saltzman, what would be a great way to hear your blogs? Where, where can people connect with your concepts today? Well, the blogs can be found at www.connexa.com, and I can be reached at Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y dot S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N at Kenexa, which is K-E-N-E-X-A dot com. So I just really want to thank you, Jeff, for your time. This is a fascinating topic. I'm looking forward to spending more time with you in, in my future and learning how to apply this material. Um, so thank you so much for joining. I want to thank Webmaster Radio for another opportunity and sharing some, some great thoughts out there. I do want to tee up our next show. We have Marshall Goldsmith coming on next week. And for those of you who don't know who Marshall Goldsmith is, he is, again, one of the real legends in the world of organizational development. Um, he is the author of Leader of the Future. And for anyone who has a book that Peter Drucker wrote a forward for, um, I'm, a, I'm a fan already. So uh, you'll hear more next week from Marshall Goldsmith. I, I'm excited about that and think about coaching and leadership. So we'll hear that angle to the issue. So thank you for our listeners tuning in one more time. And last thanks again. Uh, Jeff, pleasure talking to you today. 
Thanks for having me on the show.